0: It was Madeleine Albright who said there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. This podcast would be Madeline's idea of heaven. It's all about women supporting other women. In each episode, we team up two women from the same sector, but at very different stages in their career. They discuss their biggest challenges and swap practical pieces of advice. And we all get to listen in. I'm your host, Kate Bassett, and today I'm joined by two brilliant women in finance. First, we have Shona Bagel, Managing Director of UBS Wealth Management. She joined the bank as a graduate and in 2013 became the first woman to be promoted to MD. She's a fierce advocate for more gender equality and inclusion in the sector. We've paired Shona with Juliette Souleymore. She's Partner and Chief Commercial Officer of CRED. She's been named one of Business Insider's 10 Most Trailblazing Female VCs in London and appeared on Innovate Finance's 2019 list of rising stars and she's still just 25. Welcome to you both. So I'd love to kick off and just ask you both how you got into finance and what's been the proudest moment in your career so far, starting with you, Shona. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So I got into finance just
1: through doing an internship at university. I was in my penultimate year at Cambridge. And in those days, it was kind of, you know, you, you went down the kind of law route or management consulting, accounting, I hated exams. I was like, what can I do that will involve me not doing any more exams? So I decided to do an internship at the investment bank, UBS, which is where I still am to this day. And um, just really sort of fell into it, got a job offer at the end of the internship, thought, great, don't have to do the assessment centres and all the grad rounds and, and went straight in. So that was um, uh, over 20 years ago now. Very fortunate to have um, stayed at UBS and built my career there through various roles that I've been lucky enough to be offered. My proudest moment was, um, as you sort of touched on, probably getting that managing director promotion. It was it. It didn't come without its challenges, which I'm um, you know, happy to talk about later. But um, yeah, to be the first woman in the UK wealth management um, business to be promoted is something I'm really proud of. Um, and it's definitely something that I want to kind of leverage and use to try and help other women through that process as their
0: careers advance. So you were still in your early 30s when you got that. Promotion. So it was quite a fast pace to the top.
1: Yeah, um, like I say, just been very fortunate to have stayed at one institution, which I think is kind of becoming a, a rarer and rarer um, thing thing nowadays, but um, had various roles and sort of advanced within the organization and, um, you know, kind of got to the point where I was able to secure that promotion. But I'm really pleased to see a, a, a much broader and more diverse pipeline um, of female talent building at, the, at UBS now. Um, so hopefully it'll be a lot easier for more women to um, come through the process in due course.
0: Juliet, how did you get into finance? I got
2: into finance first uh, through entrepreneurship. I uh, co-founded two startups when I was uh, still at university. Uh, So I started my official career as a a venture capitalist and specialized little by little in uh, financial technology, and sure tech, and blockchain, which completely uh, fell in love if there is such a thing that made me sound really geeky. I promise you, I do have friends. but but yeah, very much. So so started my career as a fintech VC investor, looking exclusively at very uh, at a seed, uh, series A and series B value proposition in the space. Um, and then uh, two years later, decided to to launch my own fund, credit
0: investments. And how's that going so far?
2: Yeah, we're really good. Uh, we're, we're we're fundraising. Uh, it's uh, it's going it's going good. It's a. Uh, uh, total, uh, you know, road showing uh, across, uh, across the world, a lot of traveling, a lot of uh, meeting
0: very interesting people. And uh, hopefully it's going to go crazy. <laughs> and um, what are some of the big issues or challenges you're dealing with at the moment, Judyette? What's what's keeping you awake at night? Um,
2: I think for me, you know, I, I, I love my job and I love what I'm, I'm very fortunate and, and I feel that I'm very privileged to, to be in a position where I don't need to count my hours. I absolutely adore what I'm doing, um, but definitely wonder sometimes, am I, I prioritising the right thing and will I regret it um, slightly uh, further down the line, I guess. That's a big question that I would love to get your thought on.
0: <laughs> Shona, how have you prioritised throughout your career?
2: Um, I think it's probably come
1: in different stages depending on kind of where you're at in your personal life and, and actually even the job that you do. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in you don't even feel the hours, you don't even recognise or acknowledge that you're working mm-hmm. hard when you're doing something that you love. Um so, you know, I for me, when you're starting out and you don't have necessarily as many responsibilities outside of what you do from a business perspective, I would say, go for it, you know, drive that passion, follow that passion, do, do what invigorates you and motivates you every day. Um, For most people, not all, but at some point later on down the line, there may be some compromises to be had, um, or it's certainly some other responsibilities to try and balance. Um, But for me, it's been, you know, if you're doing what, what you're passionate about, I probably still actually work the same hours I did when I started out. But just that, combination and, and the kind of composition of those hours looks very different.
0: How have you made that work? What have you had to outsource? <laughs> um, again, I think it depends on the
1: role that you do, right? So, um, you know, for me, as I've as I've kind of climbed up the ladder, I guess, and got a little mm-hmm. bit more senior, there's certain elements of what you do that you can delegate out and you should actually for doing your job right. You know, a lot of where this goes wrong often for women is when they try and retain too much control of things. I think, so it is about learning how to delegate. Um, I think technology has a really important role to play um, for men and for women actually in flexibility and that right composition of work hours that works for an individual. I think there's a lot more acceptance of not being in the workplace and um, that whole kind of nine to five and presenteeism and culture, certainly in banking is I'm very pleased to say um, um, disappearing. It's not gone completely, but it's going. Um, so I think it is about delegating I think it's about you know if you're doing something you love you I think will always find a way to get the job done and more Um, so it isn't about compromising in that sense on 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 the work itself but it might be for example that you still want to get home in the evening so that you can do homework with your kids which you know I've got two young boys and um, you know, no matter how much help you've got around the house, you know, my hand, my husband's extremely hands on, which is a massive help. Um, but they're, even if they didn't need me, that's that's somewhere I want to be at a certain time during the day, if at all possible. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you're traveling, it's not a possibility. But if I am in London, then I, I do want to be there at, you know, six to seven every day. Um, and it'll just mean that I work again after they go to bed, um, or I'll work weekends. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, you know, there's been parts of my career when someone's forced me to do those sorts of hours versus me doing them. And that's a really big difference. It's when you feel like you're in control and it's you who's driving yourself, I think the rest just sort of naturally falls into place.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so try yeah. and do it on your terms if yeah. you can. Yeah. 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 Julia, you've um got quite a you know, a big role at an early age. Um have you felt that it's been tricky to be a young woman in your role especially setting up a business at this stage and you know doing fundraising
2: um yeah i mean i, I, I always you know building credibility is always something i always
0: i'm always very conscious on you
2: know when I'm, I'm facing a client or, or a potential partner especially raising a the big box huh? a lot of money you, you need to to show its credibility and obviously being you know, the only woman in the room most of the time and, and in addition to that to look very very young I call myself having this you know baby face um, is always definitely a challenge I uh, would love to get your thoughts if you see you you know you you have uh, tips on, on how to you know boomzy, yeah. build this credibility yeah. instantly yeah, um, yeah look I, I
1: share it you know I, like yeah, I said yeah. you know I kind of came into banking at a very young age um, and, you know, that's combined with actually like you were both petite as well. So five foot tall, ethnic minority, young yeah. woman, you know, like what more do you, what, what could you wish for? So I think two things. The first is I wouldn't apologize because I think, um, you know, you are who you are. You're clearly very good at what you do. I think that the confidence that you bring to the table will be diminished by you know, apologizing for who you are, or the fact that you're young. And I think it's also about acknowledging that the face of clients, you know, the people that we're all talking to in the Mm -hmm. different roles that we all have in the different industries that we operate in is changing. And I think increasingly, certainly in my workplace, you know, clients don't just want, um, you know, the middle aged white male, Mm -hmm. you know, they do want a diverse group of Individuals working within a firm, you know, people that you would be um, interacting with as well, um, because that actually reflects who they are. Mm. Um, so I think as they, as as the face of in our case, wealth changes, you know, we're very conscious that we we need to change as well. Having said all of that, um, you know, I think if I was to draw my own personal experience, you know, help yourself where, you know, if you've got those really big meetings, Mm -hmm. a bit like even now, I would dress a little bit differently depending on what kind of meeting I would be attending or the forum that I was gonna interact in. Um, you know, you might just want to slightly neutralise it, you know, mm. kind of wear a suit on particular occasions or whatever, just if you think that it's really going to be a factor that works against you. So I think it's about, you know, boost your confidence to the highest levels possible. Mm-hmm. And you just need to think, depending on what the setting is, about how you would do that. And at times, that actually just means being your great self.
0: Mm. Yeah. Do you have a power suit, Shona? Uh, yeah, black suit. <laughs> black suit, statement jewellery. Yeah. And does that make you feel differently when you walk into a room.
1: Uh yeah, I think I think personally for me the minute you put a jacket on, you feel a bit different. So that actually I mean you're wearing a dress. I do wear dresses quite a bit at work as well. Um but for those big meetings, you know if you're presenting, you're up at a conference talking to lots of people, for me uh, a jacket just makes me feel more businesslike. and it's very personal. Um, I have to wear high heels because I'm so short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's a non-negotiable. Um but yeah, I do feel different. And it's just about confidence. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really mind so much about how people perceive me anymore. Um that and that doesn't that probably sounds a bit kind of boastful, but it's not meant that way. It's more about how mm-hmm. I feel in myself. Um and making sure that I'm just bringing my best game mm-hmm. on that particular day.
0: And do you think your work style has evolved over time? Yeah definitely
1: so probably made loads of mistakes early on so kind of completely over over kind of um, compensated and sort of neutralized how I dressed in the beginning partly because of that age factor which I was very conscious of and going to my point I wish I'd been less conscious of Um, then probably kind of settled more into my career and you know got quite kind of fashion conscious Um, and now Probably it's a balance of the two. It's a blend of the two. So, you know, kind of nicer, higher quality things in my wardrobe, um, which I can always rely on to kind of fulfill certain roles. Um, I think jewellery is a really important for me as well. So that's a way for me to express myself. Um But I'm a big believer in actually being who you are at work, in in how you conduct yourself, how you articulate yourself, um, but also how you present yourself as well. So that's probably something that stayed true all the way through, but just kind of manifested itself in slightly different ways.
0: Juliet, do you think workwear matters?
2: I think it does, though you're asking the the wrong person in terms of, uh, I'm probably the worst in terms of fashion. Uh, my family is in fashion, and I'm the black sheep <laughs> of, uh, of of the family. And went into finance uh, and the startup world as well. So it's like the combo of of bad test and and uh, I've got the Frenchness that saves me sometimes. I can just put it uh, on the fact that I'm French. But um, I think it does. You know, it's a, you have so limited data point when you meet a person, and the way that they picture themselves and decide to picture themselves is for me, at least, I do judge not in a, in, a, in a condescending way but just like okay this is how this person decided to picture themselves to me and so 100% I do think that is super important to to be conscious at least to the image that you might reflect to the world mm-hmm. so yes. Um,
0: Shana, I want to come to you um, as a, a managing director um, what, what are the big challenges that you're facing at the moment what keeps you awake at night?
1: Well, aside of the the business side where there's, there's plenty of challenges on a daily basis, um, I think from a personal perspective, and I recognize that this is probably a very nice problem to have, um, but I've um, achieved quite a lot in a short space of time and not having to move companies and who you work for actually means that there's been kind of no sort of stop-start element to it either. Um, and like I say, very, very grateful to have found a, a wonderful company that I've been able to um, develop my career within. But that's ended up with me um, still in my early 40s thinking about probably another 20, 25 years of working life and what that's going to look like and how that's going to develop and um, evolve. And a lot of it's about me. I know for me, one of the big factors is coming to work and being challenged and making sure that I'm learning. And, um, you know, you've got to think about then, you know, clearly the, the higher up you go in that pyramid, the more limited the roles become. Um so it's just about, you know, strategically how you evolve and develop your career uh, when you've got still quite a large part of it still to go.
0: Mm. Julia, do you have any tips around reinvention? Okay. I think you should
2: do business investments on the side and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and get into this investing uh, world of a startup or even start your own uh, ventures. Uh, that's what uh, I would think of, I guess. Right? Okay. Uh, are you a business angel uh, yourself?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, working for a bank, it limits you a lot yeah, in terms of just from a compliance yeah. point of view, what we can and can't do. But I mean, it's interesting, you know, one of the things I'm trying to think about is sort of triangulation. Yeah. So, you know, how can you contribute back, not just to the firm that you work with, but also to the wider kind of society and community, you mm. know, I mean, maybe there's a kind of governor role or some sort of non-exec type role, which um, the bank tends to be more supportive of, Um but again, we just allow you to have that kind of broader outreach and mm-hmm. and a way to contribute over and above what you do.
0: And in terms of, of contributing and, and helping wider society, what are you doing to help support and lift other women?
1: My big effort sort of started by looking at ourselves internally and thinking about how we can... Um, hire more women, how we can develop the women that we have, how we can retain the women that we have. Um, But that then very quickly turns into, okay. well, if we look better as an organisation, how are we communicating that and how are we positioning ourselves to the outside world? And, you know, again, going to what I spoke about earlier, you know, the, the face of wealth is changing at a phenomenal pace. Um, the amount of wealth that's now being created in um, female hands globally is growing at a double almost the pace of of men. Um, So we have to think as an organization about how we are going to appeal to female clients. And the truth is, you know, we've spoken to a lot of women, some of whom are already clients of ours, some of whom aren't. Um, There's a lot of work to be done um, to really acknowledge that, you know, what we're not saying is that you need a completely different kind of bank or different bankers even to talk to female clients, but you need to be aware of the nuances. And there are just some facts like women outlive men. They tend to be more risk averse. Um, you know, they tend often to not be as well prepared for some of the big life events that they're going to have, like being what we call a suddenly single. And you've got to acknowledge them in, in how we communicate to those women. Um, so that that's, you know, like I say, the kind of crux of our effort is really to challenge ourselves mm-hmm. to think about how we can do both well together. And there's a lot of work to be done um, to actually turn the dial on this. The good news is the delta is quite significant, um, but there's a lot. You know, they, we're sort of talking about turning a super tanker here. One of the things I'm really proud of is now a kind of growing effort within my industry in general, where firms who technically are co- should be competing with each other are actually coming together and collaborating. Um, for the greater good of of trying to talk to women about their wealth and help arm them, help them feel more financially confident.
0: Mm. Juliet, what are you doing to move that super tanker? Well, personally, massive advocate of of um,
2: uh, you know a, a more balanced uh, access to to funding. Um, I find the, the the data shocking and appalling. To be fair, you know last year uh, for every single pound uh, in the UK invested into Venture capital invested into uh, into startup less than one p went to all female funded uh, company. That's against eighty nine p for all male. It's just crazy. I mean, uh, and if you think about what it means, right? Like, and uh, might be a bit of an ego uh, from a VC talking here, but you know, the venture capital work is to invest in the startup of today that are going to become the the, the company of tomorrow and uh, we we are creating White male company of tomorrow, and this is freaking scary. I think, and also freaking boring. I want uh, to to uh, to my friends and my family and my my, my future children, if I do have, uh, to 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 be able to to work for for cool companies that are diverse and inclusive. I think, yeah, I'm a massive advocate for for access. So I work quite a lot with educating women to understand what it's like to raise from VC because it's a very shadow and or pack world to be fair, like how do you raise money from DC? From because there is no phone number and there is no handbook to be fair. Uh, so starting with a piece of education, I think visibility and being vocal is, is also super, super important. Mm-hmm. And if you think about financial empowerment, financial exclusiveness, that is super important to be able to build a, a fairer society, then this is specifically finance. It's a sector that we should have all eyes on to build an inclusive brand table, okay. I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I know you both have big roles and um, limited time. So I'm, I'm wondering how you both stay sane. Shona. Oh, that's easy one. Um, I go and spend some time with my kids. Um,
1: yeah. They are just such a great leveller, honestly. Um, you know, I, like I mentioned, I've got two um, boys. They're 10 and 7, Um you know, my heart beats for them as much as I love what I do. I love my husband, but um, everything I do comes down to those two little boys. Um, and, you know, they know that mom's got a job and she puts on a suit sometimes and goes to work in the morning and sometimes comes home and is a little bit stressed. But they don't really know. They don't really understand. And, you know, when you go home, you know, you change your clothes and it's it's all about them. Right. It's all about helping them with their lives and, you know, kind of kicking the ball in the garden and, you um, for me that's just the perfect you know I've had some really really stressful days and you know times when you know work is just tough um for lots of different reasons and um they're just the perfect antidote because they just force you to switch off um you might switch back on again (laughs) once they've gone to bed but that for me has just been yeah that's that's always a solution
0: and on those really tough days um other than kicking a ball around with with your sons, and um, who have you turned to for advice along the way? Have you had mentors in your career?
1: Um, yes, I have uh, different um, individuals, probably as my careers developed. Um, sometimes men, which I think is uh, you know actually I think it's probably a more established route for a woman to look for a female mentor. But you know I've had some very very supportive trailblazing men. Throughout my career, um, some of whom have, have really helped me try and navigate that career at the organisation, um, and I and I am actually a big believer in getting the men on board. You know, if we talk about turning that super tanker and really turning the dial on this, you know, the women need to be there. Often the women are at the forefront, but until you get those men engaged and on board and um, not just talking the talk but walking it, um, I I don't think we're going to really make tangible progress. Um, so from a business perspective, definitely mentors. Um, and, you know, I think that whole kind of personal boardroom concept and kind of thinking about, you know, who do you surround yourself with in a corporate environment? Who It isn't necessarily about, you know, those people... Uh, supporting your advancement, mm-hmm. but you know who do you really want around you? Who's your inner circle that you can consult? Who can you lean on when you're just having a bad day, or you really need some meaningful advice, etc., etc.? So I think for women that doesn't naturally come. Sometimes you can be quite mm-hmm. time poor as well. Um, so thinking ahead about that and being a little bit more strategic about that, um, I'm a big believer in. And then at home, I know it's cliche and it's really cheesy, but my husband, um, you know, he's we've we got married very young so we've kind of grown up together um but i don't think there's anyone who understands me the way he does um and he's often the one that i'll kind of you know it needs to come at the right time i i actually need my own personal space quite a bit as well which i think he's figured out um but there will definitely be a moment in almost all of the big kind of um obstacles that i face or challenges that i face when i'll turn to him and just ask for
0: advice mm. May not follow it but listen yeah <laughs> Juliet, who have you tend to for support and advice? Uh,
2: yeah, definitely um, mentors. i um, many, many mentors actually, and also male and, uh, male and female. And totally agree with your point. I think it's super important to to have this. I mean, it's uh, bo- both of our world, and uh, we need male to be to be helping us if we want to reach uh, this this equality uh, stand. Are you ever able to switch off? Yeah, I, I'm capable of literally not having my phone for two days, which by the way, my business partner hate me for, uh, but for me, it's completely out of technology. I do a, a long track, uh, long distance trekking, take a backpack, a map, no phone and uh, switch off wow. of the world. Shona, do you ever switch off? I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that. Um, no, but
1: again, it's my choice. Um, you know, obviously you're, you're switched on to a different degree when you're actually at work in the office um, but it's really my choice probably to stay connected. You know, we don't force employees to have their Blackberries with, yeah, we still use Blackberries, um, Blackberries with them when they're on holiday or even in the evenings. But for me, it's always been, I think part of it's role dependent, but I'd rather be connected. I'd rather be aware. I've got an amazing team around me as well. Um, so it isn't necessarily the case that, you know, being in touch with work is stressful. I'd almost rather it be that way, um, just so I'm aware of what's Mm. going on, even if it's from afar. Um, I am at the moment trying to do a digital detox one Friday evening a week and it, it's kind of not working. <laughs> you yeah, <it's> those,
2: <laughs> those new boxes where you can put a code, you know, and uh, it locks your phone yeah, for like yeah. an hour yeah. and you can touch it. Yes. Yeah, yes. you need to
1: get one of those. <laughs> yeah, but this is where kids are quite useful because once you tell them, they will be the first ones oh. to remind you. <laughs> They're like, mom, you're on your phone again. Yeah, it's a great leveler. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So. Um, are there any practical tips that you would want to pass on to other women to help them in their careers? Juliette? Yeah, I think for me,
2: uh, seek discomfort. You know, um, I see I see the outcome of every choice that I make in a very pragmatic and mathematical way. Actually, I see you know in a in a very normalized way. You have those two long tails and this bell curve. And if you never take an ab- if you want abnormal return and to be on those long this long tail, you need to be abnormal in your choice and in your way of living and taking that risk. Well, don't get me wrong. You you might end up in this nice uh, long tail of success, but as well of this not so nice long tail of failure, but if you want this uh, abnormal return, uh, you need to seek discomfort.
0: You need to be abnormal. Exactly as well, yeah. Would you describe yourself as a risk taker? A uh, hundred percent, mm. I live for risk, I love it. <laughs> Where did you get that from? What influenced you early on?
2: Uh, I. I, I... You know, my, my parents are both uh, entrepreneurs, or what you call in France artisan-commerçant, which they have a small boutique shop of fashion, uh, as mentioned before. But uh, I've always seen them, you know, uh, work so hard, but at the same time getting the fruit of their labor, but and sometimes not, and and I was fascinated by this independency, um, uh, and uh, yeah, this ownership of success and as well of failure, and. I think it's it's thrilling, to be fair. So, yeah, I love risk. I love taking risk. Shana, what influenced you? Um, so mine's probably a little bit of a sad
1: story. But, you know, one of the things I've realised is every time you talk to a woman, almost always it will relate back to something that's happened in her personal life. It can be good. Sometimes it mm-hmm. can be bad. Um, so for me, um, I actually lost my father when I was very young. Um, and I'm, I think I mentioned to you before, my mum my gave up um, her work. She was a qualified accountant when she had me. Um, so my mother was widowed at 43 and I was 16 at the time. And that that was just a complete life-changing event for my entire family. But the bit that really hit home for me was, here's a, a, a very highly educated, very capable um, woman who has given everything up from a career point of view to raise her family everything was about future plans. And, you know, my dad retiring when he was young, he was he was also an accountant doing extremely well. And then boom, just something just change, you know, complete um, out of the blue life event, and he's gone. And it just left her completely lost and bewildered. And you would know, talk about, you know, financial affairs and being capable and able to confidently address them. Um, and so for me, it's always been about, you know, again, you know, funnily enough, I found my kind of life partner very young, but always maintaining that independence and being able to stand on my own two feet. And, you know, that that risk comes in different shapes and forms for different people, but it's just trying to mitigate that risk for me. Um, so that was probably the big event in my life that has definitely
0: shaped um, how I do things now. Yeah. yeah. And are there any um, practical lessons um, that you would impart to other young women? Um, I
1: am a really big believer in being authentic. Um, and I've probably learned that in my career sometimes the hard way. Um, and there've definitely been moments in my career when I felt you know slightly out of place or very conscious of the fact that I'm a woman or young or an ethnic minority. And I would just say, you know, just use that to your advantage. You know, use that to build your confidence. Be who you are. The world's changing, our clients are changing. Um, And the more comfortable I have felt in my own skin, honestly, I think the more successful I've been able to be, the more credible I've been. Um, So I would just say to everyone out there, don't think about what you don't have or what you don't look like or you don't, you know, who you're not. Just acknowledge who you
0: are and play to those strengths. Um, Which ties back um, to your earlier comment on don't apologize. Yeah. 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 And so, what else are you doing to support other women in the organisation?
1: We have a a, a mentorship scheme, which I'm very proud of, where we um, partner. Uh, senior and junior women and it's the role of that senior woman to help you know the younger woman kind of navigate the organization but I actually think there's a lot to be learned from the, the younger cohort as well and so we actually have something called reverse mentoring where it, you know it's more about that senior woman being in listen mode and the you know kind of really leveraging the knowledge and the experiences and the insights that that junior woman has um, coming into the organization and then developing through the organization I think that
0: can be incredibly helpful. Really. really Really. powerful so on that note be authentic seek discomfort try and have a digital detox build your personal boardroom get the men on board thank you both to our two fabulous women in finance Shona and Juliet thank you thank you we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of pay it forward if you loved it make sure you subscribe and please rate and review us to spread the word and pay it forward for any links and key takeaways check out our session notes